Hi, this is Carolyn Truitt from Caramel and Cashews, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 316. Today, I have Carolyn Truitt with me, and she's going to talk to us about how ghostwriting can help food bloggers by lightening the load and giving them extra time to focus on other things. Carolyn is the founder of Caramel and Cashews, a gluten-free recipe site. Six years ago, Carolyn was diagnosed with celiac disease and her love for food was turned upside down. After giving gluten the boot, you can now find Carolyn creating amazing gluten-free recipes everyone will enjoy. Carolyn, how's it going today? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so happy you're here. And we are excited to talk about or to hear you talk about ghostwriting. But first, we want to hear what your fun fact is. Sure. Okay. So my fun fact is that I met my husband swing dancing. He was really, really great at it. And I always wanted to dance with him. Oh, okay. So we need to hear the story. Talk us through like, did you meet at like actually swing dancing or like, yeah, it's like, where were you? They used to have like venues. I don't know if they do anymore because we don't do it as much anymore, but they used to have like venues where they have live music and, you know, everybody would show up and dance essentially. So sometimes it would be downtown and sometimes it would be at different venues. It could be really anywhere. But yeah. yeah. So you saw him from afar doing his awesome swing <laughs> dancing thing and you were like, I got to know that guy. Yeah. And then it just evolved from there. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Um, so then I got, you know, good enough myself that he would ask me to dance and it yeah, <laughs> went from there. <laughs> so did you feel like you were up to par when you started dancing with him? Maybe. I I acted like I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, swing dancing is like the coolest dancing ever when somebody's really good at it. It's just like yeah, ah, inspired like you're like, "Whoa, that is so it cool." Is. Mainly cuz it's not rehearsed. Mm. You know, they're not doing like a rehearsed dance. Yeah. They're just dancing as they go. So you have to remember like all the potential moves, right? And then you just kind of um, no, not not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, you 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 learn like a step, like an eighth step, and then that is like the basis for dancing. And then whoever you're dancing with is is a lead follow. So somebody's leading and somebody's follow following. Oh my gosh! And based on so what cool. they're doing with their like hands is what you know what to do. So they if they're like pulling you forward, then you go into a spin. You know, oh. it's kind of it's kind of like that. Oh, so if you can keep an eye on their hands, you know what's coming. Sort of, sort of. It, you're doing you're doing steps together, like so. Um, it's been so long now that I can't remember. <laughs> it's like one, two, three, and four, five, six, seven, and eight. So you're doing that with your feet, like the entire time, and y'all are both doing it at the same time. 
and one person is leading with their hands. So you're holding hands together. Okay. And they may be like pulling you forward or pushing you backward. And based on what they're doing is how you know what to do. So basically you don't even have to think about it if you're like a good dancer Mm. because you're just kind of following what they're telling you to do. So cool. Do you guys do that anymore? Uh, sometimes randomly, but we don't, we don't go dancing a lot because we have three kiddos and Uh (laughs) yeah. Oh, I love that. So cool. So I'm trying to think of like, sometimes it's difficult to make a segue. Like how does swing dancing relate to writing? (laughs) (laughs) So there really is no connection. So I guess both are creative, right? (laughs) So there's our segue. So now we're going to talk about ghostwriting. Would you mind starting off just by talking about what ghostwriting is in case nobody or in case somebody doesn't know what that is? Sure. So um, ghostwriting is writing a piece of content on behalf of someone else. So your name is not up there and nobody knows you're doing it. You know, you're writing on behalf of another food blogger. Okay. So it's like a way of getting somebody to write for you, but it actually sounds like it's your voice and you're doing the writing. Yes. So when I write, I try to capture the voice of whoever I'm writing for. Okay. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, like how to do that. Yeah. Do you want to talk through your story, how you got into ghostwriting? Yeah, sure. So I I listened to another blogger on a podcast and I like, I listened to her story and so I connected with her um, and she started a group on creating content, like, you know, pushing out five posts a week, just a, a way to motivate other bloggers. So I joined that. And around that time is when I decided, you know, I think I might like to, I've always enjoyed writing, to write content um, as a way of bringing in income while I'm getting my own blog off the ground. So I posted in her group, you know, saying I'm looking to do content writing. If anybody's interested or needs help, let me know. And so she messaged me and said she was looking and that she would love to have me help. And that's kind of how that got going. So it was kind of fell into your lap, right? I yeah, mean, it was very natural. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's cool. And you have a history with writing. So it's not like you had to force right. writing. You actually enjoy writing. Yes, I've always loved writing since I was little. I've always had journals and I've always been like constantly writing. So if somebody is listening and they just align with this and they enjoy writing too, then this could be an avenue. Now, not everybody does enjoy that part right. portion of it. So writing so, for some true. people is like a huge ordeal. Yeah. yeah, right. It, yeah, it's a huge block. So if you enjoy it, know that there are other people out there who don't and then you can actually dive into something that you enjoy to take something off of the plate somebody else is kind of the whole concept here. Yes, exactly. So if somebody else doesn't have this natural progression where things just kind of fell into their lap and they do want clients, how do you recommend they go find a client? One one way, now this isn't like directly going to find a client, but one way to do that, like that was natural, but it happened because I connected with her before I was looking for clients. So I think that's huge too, is just, always connecting with other food food bloggers for the sake of connection and not necessarily gaining clients. And then you've already, you know, have friends and connections that are food bloggers and that can lead to something that's a little bit, you know, less direct and there are direct ways, but I do think that's important. But Facebook groups are 
super, uh, super great way to do that. So I find when someone posts about VA work or ghostwriting questions, like a whole slew of bloggers that need help will ask for rates and examples of work. There's so many bloggers out there that need help. You know, there's so many, so many things on their plate and that it gets to a point that you kind of have to outsource. Yeah. Do you, now when you go into Facebook groups, do you offer this up or do you just keep an eye out and look for people well, who are wanting the service? Uh, sometimes both. It just depends. Like you can, depending on the group, you can post and say I'm a ghostwriter. You know, if you're looking for a ghostwriter, I can send you examples of my work and my rates, you know, and then see who responds. Or you can just, you know, peruse through and see if anybody has already posted and see if there's tons of comments, you know, asking for rates because that means they're actively interested in a ghostwriter. So kind of both. Yeah, that's a good idea just to kind of look for who is putting clues out there. Like if they're asking about certain pieces of it, that probably means that they are wanting help. So then you can kind of now which groups are okay to like offer your services in because I know a lot of groups you have to tread a little bit lightly and not. That's true. Yes, I've just always checked the rules because sometimes it's okay to post your services, but sometimes it's, but you know not okay to to post affiliate links. You know, th- there's all all each group has different rules, so I, I think I just check the rules before I you know go into that. But there are groups specifically for VAs or people who are looking to out. Um, put their services up. So those ones are obviously okay to do that. Do you have specific groups that you can mention here that are good for ghostwriting? I do have a couple VA groups I'm in. I I don't have them written down specifically. And then also a couple food blogging groups too. So, you know, just depending on the VA groups are good, but sometimes being in a group of just bloggers is helpful because it's you know they're all bloggers so I can send those to you specifically that's okay we can definitely include that in your show notes so that people can go reference those there and then I also wanted to mention one of the reasons I created the free forum for food bloggers it's at forum.eatblogtalk.com Oh my gosh, is that right? Okay, I need to, I don't, it's Monday morning. I'm so sorry. I need to go check that. I think that's right. Forum.eblogtalk.com is because those groups can sometimes feel really scary because you don't want to say something wrong and offer something out of a good place. Like you're genuinely offering to help people, but then it comes across as like, you're promoting yourself and then you get kicked out or you get in trouble. So the reason I created this group was so that people don't feel like they have to tread lightly. I want food bloggers to go in there and just be like, hey, I offer this you know, service, whatever, ghostwriting, um, and not feel afraid that I'm going to get mad because I'm, I'm not. So I wanted to put that out there. You, Carolyn, or anyone else can go in there and say whatever you want as long as it's kind and promote yourself and just do that. So I want to say that. Okay. Um, Anything else about finding clients? So you recommended groups, Facebook groups, VA groups, blogger groups, connecting with food bloggers. I think that's such an indirect way to do that because you never know down the line 
when someone's going to think of you and they're like, oh, Carolyn does writing and they meet somebody yes. else at a conference and then they connect you too. So that's a really great way too. Is there anything else about finding clients? I think finding your first client may be the hardest because once you get going, you find more confidence in finding clients, but also that you already have a client. You know, you can say, mm-hmm. I, I write for successful food bloggers. You know, you can put that out there and they know, oh, she, she does write for bloggers. Other bloggers trust her with their blogs, you know? Yeah. So it, gain, it helps you gain confidence and it also allows you for an opportunity to get like a testimonial or something right. too. Right, totally, yes. Yeah. Do you grab testimonials from people that you write for? I do. I don't have a page or anything like a sales page, but I do have a my LinkedIn. And so I just will ask the bloggers I work for to leave me a recommendation down there so I can send that to yeah. a, a possible client, you know, if they want to see testimonials. Do you recommend that bloggers create pages specifically for writing if they want to get more into that? Yeah, I think it just depends. I've not had to do that, but I know that a lot of people do and have found success with that. And you could even use SEO to like pop up when people Google ghostwriting for food blogs. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. Bloggers are so great at SEO. So I feel like there's so much opportunity to use that knowledge in other areas outside of just creating a recipe post. Doing something like that could get you money. Just creating a really great optimized sales page for your writing services would be great. Like you could get on page one or two and get more money. Hey everyone, real quick, I want to take a moment just to tell you a little bit about Clarity. Clarity is a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. One of the most powerful ways bloggers are using Clarity to make their content better is through the use of projects. You can think of projects as groupings of your content that need similar updates. They help you make data-driven task lists for each of your posts. Some popular projects that bloggers are currently running with Clarity are old posts that need to be no indexed or deleted, seasonal posts that need to be refreshed or pushed to social, full revamps for old posts, broken link fixes, posts to reshoot, adding alt text, and top posts, health checks. Projects are at the heart of how bloggers are using Clarity to add extra value to their blog posts to maximize their traffic. If you are interested in checking out Clarity, head to clarity.com forward slash eat blog talk. Clarity is spelled with an I, C-L-A-R-I-T-I dot com forward slash eat blog talk to sign up for the waiting list and take advantage of their $25 a month forever plan. Go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk or check out the resources page on eblogtalk.com forward slash resources. So once you find your first client, what do you do? Like what is the journey that you go through? It really depends on each client, but generally I ask them about the writing process and if they have a format already, And if they do, I ask them to write it down very specifically in a Google Doc and send it to me and for them to be as specific as possible. So I can format the post, you know, do the like the bulk of the writing, but format it in a way that it's already done and how they like it. And so they can just push it live. So you ask them for like an example and then you just go through it really carefully And is that where you kind of grab onto their voice? 
Yeah, so typically I'll um, like go on their website and find some recent posts and read those, and that's kind of how I get an idea of their voice. Some people write more informatively, and some people write more casually, and so you can get an idea of that. How much back and forth or trial and error does it take when you have that first client? Is it easy to do? Is it more difficult? That's a good question. I think for me, it's pretty easy, but, you know, it could be different, you know, depending on the client and their voice. Yeah. And then I'm sure some people write really like technically and maybe not as emotionally. And then there's the other way around too, right? Right. Definitely. And I I feel like a good way to check besides asking if they like the post is to read it once they post it live. So if they push it live and they've changed a bunch of things, you know, you want to take a mental Um, note of that or even email them and ask them what they didn't like. Oh, okay. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Just taking note of what they put up of what you offer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. After that, you just keep like tweaking and how much tweaking is necessary usually? Um, For me, I like to write a post and then the next day go and read it because then I have like a fresh set of eyes and usually I will, you know, hone things and change things. So it's a little bit more refined. And I always put things through Grammarly just so I'm not missing or like writing a wrong apostrophe or comma or, you know, little errors. Do you follow up down the road to see if SEO has like the SEO is good on the page? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I will check in like Ahrefs, how posts are doing and seeing if they're getting like traction. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then how many clients do you have? Right now I have two because that's all I can handle. Yeah. <laughs> I have three kids under seven and I'm also trying to get my own blog off the ground and, you know, they're not all in school right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. Yeah. So time is what I have. Time is precious. Yeah. Yeah. Very precious. How do you recommend others determine how many clients they can take on? That's a good question. Knowing how many hours each post takes you is a good way. So starting with one client, seeing like how many hours each post take you and then going from there. Don't take on too much and then not be able to, you know, fulfill what you've promised to do. Right. Yeah. Right. So if anything, just start really small and see what you can handle because you do want to provide quality to your client and then maybe build from there, which sounds like that's what you do. And and with time, like you get better at it because each client that comes like has their own format and you're not used to that you're used to another format and so it usually will take me longer to begin with and be a little bit more stressful to begin with and then that becomes more natural and easy and then it's usually like okay well I can take on another client now yeah how do you recommend people price this okay I know that's like a loaded question (laughs) nobody (laughs) likes that question but I want to get your thoughts yeah um for me I just started like conservatively and then I adjust my price based on my experience and the value I'm able to provide for someone. So like initially I started with a per hour rate and now I charge a per per post rate, but pricing is usually like all over the map. Mm -hmm. So from dirt cheap to like super expensive. And so really it's up to you what you want to price your services at. 
not everyone's going to want to pay what you charge. And that's fine. I think that's a a key thing right there that you aren't going to be able to get just anyone and everyone. You are going to get a select amount of people who are willing to charge or pay you for the value that you are providing and you just have to be okay with that. I think that is like the hardest thing yes. about pricing is that you need to just be okay with yeah. people saying, nope, I can't pay that. Exactly. Yes. And that's fine. And yeah. it, it really is true that you get what you pay for. So the price someone pays will vary depending on the skill level of the writer too. Everybody is skilled differently. Yeah. Right. Okay, so how are there other ways that you can provide just lots of value for your clients other than obviously providing them with quality writing? What else do you do to make your clients really happy? Sure. Okay, so, well, you definitely want to keep up to date on your SEO. That's, you know, vital. And so I listen to different podcasts um, and follow different courses. And I think that helps me stay up to date, especially with SEO changing like it does. Yeah. So like a couple podcasts I like are the Blogger Millionaire podcast and the Ahrefs Academy was super helpful. And I also took like Stupid Simple SEO, things like that just are really helpful. Anything else to stay up to speed on outside of SEO or do you think that's the most important thing? Um, I think that is definitely important, but I think there's other things for sure. Making sure the posts are really meaty is important, especially if you want it to rank at the top, you know, checking what posts are ranking for that keyword and what they've covered in those posts is important to check those things. Also, like, I guess not everybody has this, but, you know, just having extensive knowledge in food, like the more you cook with food, the more you work with food, the more you know about it and the more natural that is and the easier it is to answer FAQs and to like know the ins and outs of what that person reading that post needs to know. That's a good point. You do kind of have to know about food. And I think if, if food bloggers are listening, which that will be our main audience here, hopefully you know about food if you're a food blogger. So that's a given. But then do you do keyword research for the people that you go straight for? Um, I have not done keyword, keyword research yet. I do with like the main keyword they send me, I do keyword research, but I don't find the keywords for them. Okay. So they provide you with the focus key phrase and then you do your own um, strategizing as you write the post. What do you use? What tools do you use to help you with that? Yeah, well, it really depends on the client because one of my clients sends me like a long list of keywords that she, I think she, from Rank IQ. And so I'll put all those in the post for her. And then another client just sends me the main keyword and I do the research. So it kind of depends. But for me with the keyword research, like typically if it's like an update post, you know, I'll go in and look at what keywords it's ranking for currently. And um, if they're on page one, but not ranking like top three, then I'll sprinkle those keywords throughout the post. And then, you know, sometimes I'll use Rank IQ as a guideline just to see what like main keywords are being used in the top couple posts. And I'll try to put some LSI keywords in there, but not like, you know, you, know, you don't want to stuff the post with keywords yeah. either. Yeah. Right. Making it sound natural, but also including all of the juicy stuff, right? Definitely, yes. Yeah. So do you think that doing this 
adding ghostwriting to your business has really helped to grow your business and your blog? I think it definitely can and is for me it's been like really great. But since my time is so little, like my time has shrunk that I use into my own blog right now. But for me, that's I'm okay with that, like where where I am in my journey. Um, but I think just having the connections with those other bloggers is essential, you know, and huge. All of my clients have been so kind and helpful and, you know, willing to like put links to my blog and, and those kind of things. Um, and just helpful with quite like if I have any questions or need any help, you know, they've been more than willing to do that. And I think that is huge. What else do people need to know about this if they want to, if they're on either side of it? So if they want to dig into ghostwriting as a way to expand their own business, or if they want to hire someone to ghostwrite, what do we need to know? I guess if you're, if you're looking to ghostwrite, you know, you want to be a good writer. Like that's kind of essential and you want to write engaging content. And I think a good way to do that is to read engaging content. So for me, you know, when I read well-written, like engaging copy, it makes me a better writer. And I take notes of what I like about it too. So like I'll, you know, active verbs are more interesting than verbs like use, does, has. So I'll write those down like mimics, features, snags, review. Those are all like verbs that are interesting. So I think that's, for me, a huge thing. I love that tip. So just looking at the verbs you use and making sure they're a little more interesting than does, has, because those are extremely boring. Uh Such a great tip. Um, Okay, so you need to be a good writer. Just um, I liked your suggestion about making sure that you go and read other content that is engaging and that you really like that maybe is producing like some sort of creativity with inside of you when you read it and like really inspires you somehow. So if somebody wants to hire a ghost writer, they don't like this, but they're listening now because of that, what do you recommend for them? Okay. Um, probably again in Facebook groups. <laughs> if you if they post, you know, saying I'm looking for a ghost writer, you know, I'm sure they'll have twenty plus comments. Um, but I think looking at their work is very important and seeing like how they write and getting an idea of the knowledge they have about blogging. And SEO is going to be huge too. Okay. So just kind of feeling around in the groups and um, there's, I mean, there's so many people who love writing. I talk to people all the time who love it and they also are looking to expand their businesses. So just finding those people and they're out there. I know they are. Yes. And connections are good again as well. I mean, I can't say that enough because you can ask the bloggers if you're in a mastermind group or just bloggers you know and they have somebody or know somebody, you know, those are really like great ways to find somebody. Key resources for that. Totally agree. What else do we need to know? Is there anything else you want to leave us with, Carolyn, on this topic? Anything at all? Um, let's see. One thing that I feel like I missed is that in a post, like it's important to incorporate like long tailed keywords as well as like a main keyword. So that post has the option to rank for like multiple keywords, not just one. Oh yeah. That's very good to recommend. Yep. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, thank you. I hope this inspires people to dig into this as a new avenue for revenue and also for people who don't enjoy writing for them yeah. to go out and pursue maybe hiring somebody outsourcing. Yeah. So this was super valuable. Thank you for joining me today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? Yes. So my favorite quote recently is the best time to plant an apple tree was seven years ago. The second best time is now. Love that quote. Like there's never, I mean, maybe there was a better time than now, but now is now. So do it now if you're thinking about it. it. Yep. Love it. Well, we'll put together a show notes page for you, Carolyn, and we will put those links to resources if you're interested in finding those there and you can get that at eblogtalk.com forward slash caramel you say caramel i say caramel but (laughs) caramel (laughs) caramel or caramel and cashews tell everyone where they can find you online on social media and all of the other good stuff sure um so i'm very active on facebook as i've mentioned so feel free to send me a facebook message i love to connect with bloggers as i've said before so if you have any questions or and just want to chat with another blogger feel free to message me Awesome. Well, thank you. That's very generous. And thanks again, Carolyn, for being here. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.